What's up, everyone? Back here for episode two of After Further Review. It's your boy Rye Bread back at it again. And Ben's here too. And Chase. And we're super excited for everyone to be listening again. Officially episode two of the podcast. First week, some ups and some downs. A lot of fun overall. Really excited to kind of get into a groove, get into our rhythm here. And really start diving into some of these sports. I think the first thing today we wanted to talk about was uh, the Super Bowl recap. Uh, kind of a little bit to break down. A lot of it to break down. Kind of crazier game than I know I was expecting. A lot higher scoring than what we all thought too. Um, yeah, I don't know, Ben. Did you want to start it us off? Sure, yeah. I mean, the game, you know, you had Mahomes. You know, at one point it looked like. Chief season might be over. He went down with that ankle injury. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a it was, I think, a game that everyone was hoping for with high scoring and lots of points. Um, you know, the it's a shame that at the end of the game, there was kind of some controversy because I think overall the game was played pretty clean. The refs, for the most part, stayed out of it. And yeah, the game, uh, I think the game lived up to expectations. All the Eagles fans, it was a certainly a tough tough loss but yeah the you know Mahomes is starting to become someone who people don't want to see in the Super Bowl anymore yeah and um well the craziest part too was that the Eagles played the perfect first half against the Chiefs overall like defensively that was probably the best game they could have played and it's tough because that was the the holding call on Bradbury was the one the entire game there was only one so it's tough for that to be the call, especially. And I don't know what you guys felt about it, but it seemed like in a way Mahomes wasn't even going in that direction at first. And I don't know that Juju would have been able to get that ball in the back of the end zone either. So it's just tough that the game came down to that. And then, you know, on a play like that, when there could have been a minute 30 left for the Eagles to possibly go down, make it, a, you know, extend the game, possibly even tie it. Then it's in the overtime in the Super Bowl. It just would have been crazy you know yeah honestly that's what made me you know pissed off the most it wasn't even like the holding call was super annoying because they were letting them play all games so it's like all right what now's the time you're gonna call it but I was like all right fine but it was when I realized that the Eagles you know being an Eagles fan realizing that instead of having like a minute and a half two minutes maybe even a little over two minutes down by three or even seven, but having time to drive to only having eight seconds, it's like, at least like if something like that happens, you at least want to see Hertz get one more chance to kind of have to make a drive. They're not, the Eagles don't always used to driving, you know, like sometimes longer drives, more running, giving him a chance to try to like showcase his arm a little more, um, giving guys a chance just to, you know, make something happen. Yeah, and the Eagles, they were really, you know, surprisingly, I know they've been aggressive all year, but they were ultra aggressive in that first quarter and even first half. And I wonder if the NFL if teams are going to start, you know, going for it more and more. I mean, there was times, there was that one, you know, first, I think it was first drive of the game where they, you know, I thought they should have kicked the field goal, but they, you know, kept going for it on fourth down and got the, got the teeter in that fourth and one, third and one, I mean, Hertz can QB sneak all day long and there's never he's they're gonna get it every time so yeah yeah and and it's just unbelievable how well they could get two or three yards on a QB sneak like that that I like since Tom Brady was doing it with the Patriots I was like this is unbelievable how they can literally just move the line of the Chiefs it was like Chris Jones was up in the air he's moving around body surfing on people you know like crazy but i did want to ask you guys did you see the thing about the field obviously because the players were slipping but the guy who was responsible for it yes so i did see that um i'll spill the tea i didn't see this yeah no well chase chase probably can talk on it a little more i did see it i i don't know really what to think of it but i did see it yeah, so it's been coming out a little bit more since then. And it was a story going in, but I didn't, I missed it completely. I didn't see this at all. But he's called the Sod Father. This guy, he's a legend in the world of groundskeeping, allegedly. But he's 94 years old. He's worked every single Super Bowl. And uh, he just happens to be the head groundskeeper for the Kansas City sporting teams because he's in part of the maintenance department and whatnot. But 
so the grass was super wet and when i was watching i was like this grass looks really good for golf like i don't know why but it just looks like a, like a nice place to like go out take a couple swings on it and i did like a little more research on it and the grass was made by oklahoma state and it's called like tahoma 31 but it's meant for golf surfaces like golf courses have been putting it in Whoa. I was like, why would they use it for a football field? But apparently Oklahoma state like put out the statement saying that it's not really like it was prepared wrong in a, in a sense, like there, it's not something went wrong when they were moving it. And then like, I guess replanning it in a way for the stadium, like they added in an extra layer and it got too wet. So it was like really not the grass's fault because it's a good product, I guess. And a lot of stadiums use it and a lot of golf courses use it too, but I was like, how can you have that in the Super Bowl though? Like, I don't understand. Like, if you knew it was going to be a problem, why couldn't you just get a turf field in there real quick? Like it rolls out and rolls back in. So it seems to me like you'd be able to switch that out pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I'm not, I'm never going to make excuses being an Eagles fan, but it was weird. Like, I mean, there was a couple of Chiefs fans that slipped. Um, it seemed like a little more the Eagles side. They even showed that the Eagles, like everyone changed their cleats. And I was like, why? Why, like, is this such an issue for them all of a sudden? I mean, ultimately, I was glad that no one got hurt. There was really no injuries that came of that or just in the Super Bowl in general. But, yeah, that was a, that was something that, like, we've never seen before. I know the NFL is every, – every stadium seems like they have some different type of grass or turf or, you know, artificial grass or whatever it may be. And it's like an ongoing conversation – player safety wise but it was like i don't know it's just weird that the super bowl they have this different type of surface all of a sudden yeah um, and it definitely seemed like the chiefs were more used to it in a way because i don't know the eagles defensive line was way better than what they showed out with they had zero sacks and josh sweat is incredibly fast and i didn't see him at all during at any point during the super bowl like they hurried him and they got him out of the pocket i mean even mahomes with a flat tire could run pretty like Got the QB scrambles and whatnot. So yeah, I think like you said, it definitely affected the defensive lines. I mean, they were slipping trying to get to the outside every time. And you know, the the league's lucky that more players didn't tear ACLs and get hurt. Yeah. I mean, guys were sliding all over the place on that. Yeah. I mean, and also the Chiefs scored on every second half possession too. So, you know, so much for the homeland call, but Chiefs also adjustments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah seriously. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Did you see the play that the Chiefs had from Doug Peterson that they ran against the Eagles earlier in the season? The Chiefs scored on it twice. It was the same play that they ran on either side of the field. Oh, yeah. The one, yeah, yeah. Kadarius Tony one. Yeah. And um, I guess it was Sky Moore's touchdown was the same one, but. Yeah, apparently the Jaguars ran it against the Eagles earlier in the season. It was a Jamal Agnew touchdown, so you can go back and find it. And it's the exact same play. And I guess the Chiefs realized it during halftime and made the switch, put it in, and it destroyed the Eagles. Like they it's not even the fact that they just ran it once, they ran it twice. Like they did their homework. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, they was never adjusted. Yeah. And I was like, how I mean, it's frustrating, obviously, for defense because, like, as a Ravens fan, defense means a lot for the Ravens. Like, you know, they weren't good at stopping the run, much like the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. So a lot of what was happening with the Eagles, I saw with the Ravens until they got Roquan Smith. So, which leads me to think that the Eagles got, like, a really good inside linebacker would stop a lot of that because they would have somebody, no respect to, like, TJ Edwards and whatnot. But there's, like, a definitely an elite level that can diagnose a lot more than just running and tackling and whatnot but yeah it's just tough to see that because i don't know the ravens have played the chiefs a lot so like i know what it's like to have travis kelsey like burn you plus you have tyree kill back like the past few seasons now that he's gone but you know where it starts and it's like obviously keeping patrick Mahomes off the field which the eagles did which was a starting point that's the way to beat him and also making turnovers and sacking him which they weren't able to do i mean ultimately it was it was a good it was a good win it was a good game I mean obviously a little bit of sketchiness here and there which honestly at this point in the NFL it's normal but yeah I mean the Chiefs two Super Bowls in the past couple seasons now Mahomes has two Kelsey's got two um, I don't know it's it's definitely going to bring to some bigger questions you know in the AFC coming here 
uh, up next season with teams like Burrow, Allen, you know, these teams that are still trying to get one, Lamar, Mahomes yeah. got two now. So he's kind of like, he's not like the new Brady, but you know, he's definitely the guy in the team to beat him and Reed's got that dynamic duo going on. Yeah. Uh, but congrats to Chiefs fans and congrats to the yeah. city. They got, they got a bad baseball team and not much else. So. Yeah. I mean, they played their ass off all season. So, the, I mean, the two most deserving teams made it. So you can make an argument either way, you know? So yeah. it was just like, it's a good game. It just feels like I left a bad taste in your mouth. Like, I'm sure even for Chiefs fans, it's like, yeah, you want to win them straight up, not on some calls or, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, that kind of just bring us into it. It's kind of crazy. Once the Super Bowl ends, the the coaching carousel kind of yep. kind of really gets going. And I know both the Eagles coordinators are already gone. Me personally, uh, Shane Steichen, and I'm okay with. I feel yeah. like the Eagles have enough weapons that anyone can kind of fill fill his spot. And um, the Colts are kind of a mess right now. So good luck to him in Indianapolis. Yeah. And then. Um, uh jonathan gannon down in arizona so staying there don't even yeah, come back it'll be an interesting situation with him being a defensive mind with yeah being in control of kyler and those guys but um obviously the cardinals just said jj watt retire and uh he's got some stuff to figure out down there as well yeah but no so gannon's got a lot to handle down there it'll be interesting how he, he does it but there's been a, a couple of hires already, right? Yeah, there's five. Obviously, the biggest one, Sean Payton, going to the to the Broncos, and um, you know that's to see if he can turn Russell Wilson and that team around. I mean, Russell Wilson was about as bad as anyone could have thought last year, and I mean, there was that that countdown going for to see how many touchdowns if he can get more than he had bathrooms in his house, and it took till like week 15 until he got over that 12 hump <laughs> yeah it was a joke and then it almost got serious yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think even uh, he knew that it was like okay it's time to pick this up a notch yeah but i mean literally if anyone you know could put that team back together i would assume sean payton's the guy so they can't figure it out together you know i would think that's kind of that's kind of where it's at. I do like the hire of uh, D'Amico Ryans for the Texans. I think yeah, that's, that's a good hire. I everything like I heard about him, uh, everyone loves the guy. And uh, it seems like, you know, poor, poor Lovey Smith, but uh, it seems like D'Amico Ryan's going to be good for the job. And, uh, and Frank Rich, obviously now on the Carolina Panthers. Um, that's an interesting one. I don't know how he's going to work there. Uh, he was the first ever panthers quarterback in their history so that's kind of neat oh i didn't know that but other than that i don't i'm not sure you know i don't know who their quarterback is going to be next year if they're going to go in the draft or you know obviously one of these free agents but i don't know what your thoughts are about that all these changes and even even the draft coming up here as we get in the uh football off season yeah i'm looking forward to it um especially with the draft coming up and there's going to be a lot of major dominoes to fall with Derek Carr being released this week. Aaron Rodgers is going to be done his darkness retreat or his closet retreat, whatever it is. <laughs> um, but also I feel like this is a big off season for the jets too, because obviously two rookie of the years could add three. If, if you think about it before Brees Hall got hurt. Yeah. yeah. So they're only really a quarterback short. So, I don't know, Ben, are you interested in Derek Carr, Rodgers, or would you make a trade for Lamar? But knowing it's going to cost a ton, like at least th three first-round picks plus player. Yeah, I mean, the Jets, you're right. They have a, the team around, um, besides quarterback, they're, they're built. Um, they built themselves up pretty well, and they are missing, you know, a, a legitimate play caller. I don't know Derek Carr if he's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly for me Lamar Jackson would be my number one target but you're right he's going to cost them an arm and a leg and I don't know if the Jets are willing to do that I know Salah wants he's made it very clear he wants a guy to go in there and try to win um, and I don't blame him I mean, he's been dealing with Zach Wilson who everyone probably thought from the start wasn't going to be it and then Mike White was lighting up for a few weeks and you know you got Joe Flacco He's no Joe Flacco of old. Great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a promising 
promising team, but they do have to find that quarterback who's going to mesh. Rodgers scares me a little because he could just come on the team for one year and retire, and I don't. we don't need another Brett Favre situation, <laughs> which is basically the same. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And there's quarterbacks in this upcoming draft, but none of them really seem to be like a – you know, Trevor Lawrence type prospect, like somebody know who's going to go number one overall. Like right. you can make an argument for a lot of them, why this should go in the top 10, but not a lot of people seem to be. So we'll see. And the Colts have a top pick. They need a quarterback. So Texans, obviously Chicago picks number one overall, but they already have Justin Fields. So you think that that pick could be on the move to someone who needs a quarterback. Yeah. And I'm possibly. sure It'll just be interesting to see those draft boards, how they move the next, you know, few weeks and even yeah, up, up until the draft. Oh, but Lamar, yeah. Lamar, too, is going to be a big thing because Baltimore hasn't really come out and said that they want – obviously, they want to resign him, but they also said that recently that if they do make a trade, it's going to be for a windfall of picks. So that leads me to think that if they don't do this, then he could be out, which is going to shake up the NFL, obviously, because there's a lot of people that would be interested in Lamar. Uh, even teams that have a quarterback would probably want to make an upgrade because, I mean, he's a few years removed from being MVP. Obviously, he's been hurt, but at the same time, you know what he is. So for the Ravens to give him up and not get something nearly as good a return is going to be a loss for them at any rate. Yeah, and the Ravens, I mean, they're kind of similar to the Jets, but they have a really good team around. So if they – I mean, even if they replaced Lamar Jackson, if something happened where they ended up bringing in, like, Derek Carr, which I'm not necessarily sure that would happen. I know you don't want that to happen, but I think they would still be a playoff team. Uh, and, I mean, for the Jets, as long as they don't pick up, like, Baker Mayfield and try to roll with him as the guy, I'm good with – Go out Some and get Sam Darnold options. back. I might as well trade for Geno Smith while we're at it. <laughs> I mean, it looked pretty good, but can he make it for two years? Who knows? Yeah, well, Seahawks got that got that nice pick in the, I think, fifth spot now with the Broncos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the Broncos don't really have a lot of draft picks. Like, I know we're saying they're in a good spot, but, like, they have to really make this work or they could be in a full-blown rebuild. No, because you know, what do you Sean do with Payton Wilson? And yeah. Russell Wilson, and that's it. And it's yeah, do or die. Yeah, so definitely, there's going to be a lot of things that happen this off season that haven't really been the case in previous. Like, there's been obviously trades, the big wide receiver trades, which you think are probably going to continue this off season. But definitely a lot more interesting off season than maybe the past few years. Um, just moving on to that, kind of a lot of NFL to touch on here, but the NFL awards and the hall of fame class was announced last week. A um, lot of big names. I just got to give a quick shout out to my, my girlfriend's quarterback, Dak Prescott for winning Walter Payton man of the year. Uh, and now the Cowboys get a lot of hate, but I honestly, I feel like Dak Dak's a solid guy and congrats to him on winning pretty cool award that the NFL does every year recognizing um, doing great things for your community and it's cool where you know you can only win it once and then other guys get a chance to but yeah even though I'm an Eagles fan Eagles fan congrats to Dak yeah so touching on the Hall of Fame a little bit um, Revis got in uh, the one notable I mean obviously there's a, a bunch of guys there's no like huge star in this Hall of Fame class um I mean, you had a few a few great defensive guys like Demarcus Ware and uh, Zach Thomas, and but I was surprised that Devin Hester, he was one of the big ones that I thought was going to get in, but didn't. And I don't know, you know, I, I, obviously I would consider him probably one of, if not the greatest returner of all time, and a part of the game that's kind of died. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought he would have got into, but. I guess people don't really respect that aspect of it, but it's kind of a lost art in a way. I mean, the NFL changed the rules, so they make it a lot harder now, but I don't know. Watching, going back and watching a Devin Hester highlight reel of just his return kicks is something pretty special. Like the way he could step on it and get past defenders and just the speed he had 
changed the games for them. I mean, he didn't really do much as a receiver on the offensive end, but a kickoff return just kills momentum off from the other team, you know, thinking that either that they got a touchdown or opening a half to run it back. I mean, that sets the tone. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I feel like today's NFL, they do more like wide receiver, like like coming around and getting handoffs, like kind of like the Debo's and such like that. And I feel like Devin Hester, if you like played today and he was still able kind of to do what he did on returns, on he could have been an even bigger factor on the on the field too. Like the Falcons use Coderell Patterson all over the place. And I feel like Hester could have been even more dominant and definitely secured a spot. I mean, I still think he deserved a spot, but um he's not out of it it's just i was surprised that he didn't get that yeah. didn't get it this year and tory holt's another one that i thought at some point is gonna get in i mean dude had, i think i think it was like eight one thousand eight straight one thousand yard receiving years with the rams i remember him growing up and playing mad and he was i was always <laughs> trying to throw to him yeah i agree and i was kind of surprised by the amount of defensive players to get into all in one class i thought that was pretty interesting but um, I mean, Rivas obviously can make a, I mean, he was a legitimate lockdown corner, maybe not the last portion of his career when he was injured, but unbelievable talent. All right. Well, last week we were talking about the NBA tra- trade deadline a little bit. Um, big whiff there is as soon as we finished our show, everything just started going down. It was kind of crazy. We were like, of course we were one day too soon, but there was a ton of moves, a ton of weird moves. Five second-round picks going here and there, three-team deals, four-team deals. Um, just to kind of break it down a little little bit, I think everyone wanted to go through one trade that they think will work and one trade that uh, they think is going to be a complete bust. Um, I don't know who wants to go first. Uh I can always start it off unless someone else. Ben, you want to go first? Yeah, I, I think one of the under-the-radar trades for me uh, is kind of a smaller trade, but I really liked the Bones Highland trade to the Clippers. Oh, of course. <laughs> is that yours? No, but I just knew someone was going to say Bones. So, no, they traded two second-round picks. And, I mean, at the start of the year, he looked like he looked like a really good pick uh, get for the Nuggets. And then he just kind of started falling out in and out of the rotation and started losing minutes. And the Clippers seem to do pretty well at developing some of those guys. And I mean, even Luke Kennard's been become a pretty okay starter when he was, you know, just going to drown with the Pistons. So that's, that's the one I like, even though it's not the sexiest one. Yeah. And, Mine, it's kind of a weird one, too. It's um, the Nets side of the Nets-Mavericks deal. Um, I know it's that one actually had already happened as of last week. But just, like, thinking about it, you know, um, so for everyone who forgets that trade, the, the Mavs, they get Kyrie, but they got the worst of the Morris twins. They got Markeith Morris. And the Nets yeah. got Dinwiddie, who used to play in Brooklyn. And, honestly, I feel like he's underrated. He's a great starting point guard in the league. And also, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and some picks. So, I don't know. Overall, I'm just looking at the Nets now. They don't have any drama um, unless there's some, like, underlying, you know, management front office issues that are really true. But their biggest issue is not having a star. But if you just look at, like, their roster, like their top ten guys, honestly, are all really good role players. Joe Harris is shooting lights out again. Um, just a bunch of really good guys coming off the bench like Patty Mills. But I think Spencer Dinwiddie's got a chance. Him, guys like Cam Thomas, you know, I know Cam Johnson came over from the Suns, but a lot of experience, a lot of talent, and honestly, a lot of young energy. And I feel like the Nets are going to win out on that deal ultimately, and it's going to better their team um, long-term. And honestly, even this year, they don't they got more depth now, so injuries aren't as much of a factor for them. That's my trade win. Yeah, I'm, I I would say the Sixers is obviously a trade win, but I'd say overall the league trade win is probably the Suns with Kevin Durant. I mean, they gave up, obviously, Cam Johnson, like we were saying, Mikel Bridges, some other role players. But for them to get an, an actual superstar for them is big, especially in the West because of how loaded it is. So, I mean, we can talk about it. I think we talked about it last week how the West is just a lot harder than the East, but 
for them, that's huge. And they've been shaky all season with CP3 being in and out. So for them to upgrade and get the player that they want and somebody who wanted to be there too, I think Kevin Durant pretty much only named them that where he wanted to go. So that was definitely a win for them. Yeah, I think the that one worries me just because I it's like one of those, you know, between Paul and Durant, that's one injury away of, you know, the team, you know, not being where they want, but they, they had to go all in. And I think that was, that was a move for them to do that. And, you know, hopefully keep Booker around for a while as well. Um, one of the other trades I wanted to just to touch on quick, which I still don't understand and maybe someone else can help me understand it was the four, the giant four team trade that included the Pistons receiving James Wiseman, the Warriors receiving Gary Payton, and three future second-round picks, the Hawks receiving Sadiq Bey, and then the Blazers receiving Kevin Knox and five future second-round picks. It did Now, do we have – that officially went through, right? Because I know Gary Painter initially – That didn't. did go through. Okay. Correct. We'll get worried on it here in a second. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it went through because I saw it got held up, and then I was wondering if it actually went through or not. But definitely a weird trade. And Gary Payne was with the Warriors – last season so we only spent like half a season in portland and he was injured the entire time so yes yeah we got we got confirmation that it it officially has gone through and i uh, just thought it was a weird <laughs> trade there's just so much was happening there that was kevin knox's second team of the day he got dealt to for those who don't know i have a nice Knicks kevin knox jersey collecting dust in my closet He's on his like fifteen and like two and a half. Dude has not yeah. been given a chance though either. I mean, he he's a top ten pick. He was, I mean, I don't know how old he is now. He's probably 22, 23. Oh, okay. He's still he just hasn't been given a chance. Whereas that's yeah. tough in the NBA. That's how it, it goes sometimes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of young talent. It's hard to spread it out when you only play five guys at a time. But um, Evan Ox is only twenty three, by the way. Okay. That's, that's wild. It feels like he's been in the league yeah. for yeah. Yeah. But um, all right. So my my trade bust. Um, honestly, it's a pretty easy one to me. It's the Pelicans and them giving up a bunch of picks and Devontae Graham for Josh Richardson. I mean, being a Sixers fan, I remember when Richardson was our starting two. And every game I'm like, why is he shooting one from nine? <laughs> and I don't know, just the Pelicans, for me, they have – there's a ton of, like, just questions. And it's not even about Zion's health, which is a big factor, or, you know, Ingram's ability to, like, be a very successful player on the court. It's just, like, the fact that they haven't won anything yet and everyone knows how the NBA goes. You get, like, two to three seasons to try to form some type of consistency – uh, they got C.J. McCollum. They kind of have a little nice big three with him, Zion, and Brandon Ingram. But just to give up that many assets, and honestly, it's almost like swapping guards between Graham and Richardson. Like, Richardson's not a guy that's going to win a playoff series. The West is tough. You know, let's say Zion comes back. They maybe lose a good first-round series this year. Maybe next year, maybe get out of the first round. I don't know. There's always potential for that team to get blown up at any point. And just giving away – you only get two picks a year, and you just gave away four second-round draft picks for um, a really weak um, potential starting guard, in my opinion, Richardson. I mean, I think he's only 29 still, so essentially in his prime. But I don't know. That That's just a, a bust for me. Yeah, I, w- I would say my trade bust is the Spurs and Raptors trade, mostly because the Raptors have a bunch of people on expiring contracts and they didn't move any of them. And their only move was to acquire Yaka Bortle from <laughs> the Spurs. No R, silent R. I they got say. him back. Yeah, they got him back, but they also sent out their first rounder in 2024. So it's top... It's a protected pick, but at the same time, they have a bunch of people expiring. I don't know what they're planning on doing. And this goes back to even when they had Kyle Lowry and they were going to trade him, then not trade him. Then they had to do a terrible sign and trade with the Heat, which I don't even know what they exactly got from that off the top of my head, but none of it worked, obviously, because Toronto's in a terrible spot. So that was definitely my loss is they didn't sell any of their pieces and brought in one person 
who's not who's going to shore them up, I guess, but it's not going to lead them to a playoff push. Yeah, I'm super happy about that, by the way. I'm not a huge fan of the Raptors lately, ever since that Kawhi shot and them just still continuing to win games and win series. So, yeah, I hope they have a nice, at best, first-round exit. Yeah, my bust would be both teams, really, for this trade. The Celtics getting Mike Muscala <laughs> and the Thunder getting Justin Jackson and two second-round picks. I don't think that does anything for either team. And Mike Muscala is all goes along the line of the crappy centers that the that the Celtics get with Kelly Olynyk and all these other guys that are not likable at all. So I don't think that's a win for either team. I don't really understand the trade. Justin Jackson, obviously I think has a little more upside, but I mean, he's getting like five minutes a game with the thunder who are not playing for much right now anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just still think of Justin Jackson in a UNC Jersey and, and there's March madness tournament. It's not much, not much True. else he's done since honestly. So yeah, that that's, a lot of like honestly forced weird trades. I feel like it's just the NBA trying to be the NBA and shake things up. But it was exciting. But yeah, I mean, just touch on the Sixers one more time. I know Chase, you like the deal. I, I mean, I, I like Bible. He's a good, really good defender. But we have some, we have like a nice ten man rotation as I touched on last week. So I didn't really want to make any moves. But Jalen McDaniel's, he's got some hops. He's got some energy. Um, I feel like that was a move that Maury did to kind of like help us out a little bit. I know we just signed Dwayne Dedman too, hopefully to give us some more center depth because we don't have a lot of height coming off the bench when Embiid's out. But you got Matt McClung for that. What? <laughs> he does sign with the Sixers. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My God. He signed another active roster just in time for the uh, slam dunk competition. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have to have him on your active roster. I was just joking about the hype. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, ultimately, I'm glad the Sixers didn't do anything crazy. Moore is known for that. I'm glad they kind of just sitting back. I don't know how many minutes McDaniels is going to get down the stretch and in the playoffs. Not that Matisse would have gotten a lot either, but I think it was a smart move. Um, I feel like the Knicks, Ben, too, they're looking pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they – they got rid of Cam Reddish, which I think was the, the right move. Uh, I think I talked about that a little last week, and, you know, he wasn't getting any playing time. I think he just even had a pretty good game um, his last game too. And getting Josh Hart, he's a he's a scrappy player, plays hard, and that's, you know, that's going to fit right into the Knicks rotation. So I think it'll be good uh, for the team. And if they can get a spot not in the playing tournament, that'd be that'd be nice to see. And, who knows? Maybe we'll have a Knicks Sixers first round matchup. Oh, I'm so in. Oh yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Yeah, but, I thought the Sixers deal was good too, just because um, I mostly just want somebody that Doc is going to play or at least trust because he doesn't seem to do that with a lot of people. So if this is someone that he's going to do that with, then that's a win because he keeps the small rotations and it's not really, especially leading up to the playoffs. Like I feel like you need to rest some of these people or get experience with the younger guys. So if you get into a tight spot in the playoffs, everyone has the momentum. Everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, be interesting to see kind of, it's a good spot for the trade deadline because you get like a couple of games and then you get the weekend off and kind of a lot of time filming, practicing stuff like that. So. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people who hate the NBA trade deadline. Yeah. But, um, yeah, moving on, a uh, little bit of baseball to touch on. Not not a ton this week. I know that uh, the pitchers and catchers are now officially in camp. And uh, just to kind of kick off the, uh, the MLB season, we decided to make our way too early um, postseason predictions. We actually all made a bracket. I filled mine out. Did everyone else still lose out? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, and um, honestly – I was going through some of the off-season deals. I forgot about um, some of them, but yeah, I mean, I I have my I have a rematch of the 2022 World Series. I got the Ashes wow. and the the Phillies back in there. Okay, like the Ashes right. and Jose Abreu is going to be a good fit, and obviously the Phillies upgrading with Trey Turner that Chase touched on. But I don't know. It's a rematch that I think would be hype that I would look forward to, especially because this time I have the Phillies coming out on top. But um, 
My biggest sleeper pick is I got the the Orioles going to the ALCS. I decided oh. I decided I mean they were they've been pretty competitive the last year or two and with the extra wild card spot I, I have them and the Angels both sneaking in. I feel like Angels are finally going to put some type of run together to get Trout and Otani getting some meaningful games that they deserve and I think that they'll do all right, but you know just with the Orioles matching up have them matching up against the Guardians in the first round. I feel like that's a winnable series. And I have they're obviously winning that. I have them against the Yankees in the second round, and I don't really like the Yankees. And they've choked in the past, so why not run with it? And, yeah, that's kind of my sleeper pick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just go through mine pretty quick. Uh, do you have any sleeper picks in the NL you want to touch on or – uh, pretty, I mean, I have chalky. I have the Mets making it out of the wild card round. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, no, as far as what I have, I got the Twins and Yankees in the wild card in the wild card game. I think the Twins are gonna play pretty well this year. I think last year they had a kind of a down year, so I think they're gonna do a lot better um, in that AL Central for sure. But then I also have the Rangers and Blue Jays. Uh, in the next, in the other wild card, I think the Rangers are going to be a lot better. They got the Grom. They invested in some pitching, and I think that team, all the hitters they signed last year with Seager, Simeon, Josh Young is going to be up there. That, that lineup could be pretty scary. So, I got a Yan- I got a Yankees Astros rematch with the Astros winning. I don't think the Yan- Yankees can beat the Astros in the playoffs. And then my sleeper, I got the Rangers in the ALCS. Um, beating the Rays. I had the Rays as the number one seed. So I got the Astros back in the World Series again. I don't like the, I don't like it, but that's what I got. Um, as far as the NL, I got the the Padres and the Braves in the, the top wild card spot. Phillies Brewers. Uh, Phillies in the uh, against the Dodgers, but I ultimately have the Dodgers winning to the NLCS. Fair pick. Um, I have the Padres and Mets, but I do have the Padres winning. As much as I would like to see the Mets win, I think the Padres are going to be a a dangerous team. And ultimately, I have the Dodgers winning it all again and coming back after a year uh, off year last year, but an incredible, incredible season during the uh, regular season. So nice. Um, So I'd say my two sleeper picks are the Orioles, obviously. Um, Ryan had them as well, but oh, money. Yeah. they just building off what they have. They have a lot of good prospects. They got really hot towards the end of last season, almost made it into the playoffs, but uh, just what, what, with what they have rotation wise, depth wise, I feel like they're pretty solid. It's me. It's going to be a tough division, but really the Yankees are probably the toughest opponent and the Rays. who knows about the Red Sox. It could be hit or miss again, but, and for the NL, my sleeper pick is the Diamondbacks. I know that's a little bit of a jump. And especially considering their division, they're going to get pounded by the Dodgers and Padres. But for some reason, I think they're going to get in shootouts with a lot of other teams outside their division. And they just have a lot of scrappy young players. They made a big trade with Toronto in the offseason. They got a catcher. Um, so I just like the way that their team's built. I like the young energy, kind of like the Orioles. They can A team like that can win. I don't know if it's sustainable, but they can make a little bit of a noise. So I have the kind of getting in as a six seed in the NL. Um, I'll just run through the wild card round then and on both sides. So I have the Orioles going up against the Guardians, and then I have the Rays against the Blue Jays. And I have the Guardians advancing and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays playing the Astros and the ALDS and the Guardians against the Yankees in the ALDS. Tough spot. So obviously the Astros and the Yankees were the one and two seed. Yeah. Um, moving on to the ALCS, I got the Guardians versus the Astros, and I have the Guardians moving on to the World Series. Okay, oh, okay, Guardians. okay. Love that Jose Ramirez power. Hey, I mean, Ben and I both have the Astros, but we're a little yeah. tired of them winning. And yeah, I'm tired of it too. All this stuff is I like it though. So. We had, you yeah, know, I had the Rangers, you had the Orioles, and Chase had the Guardians also. Yeah, yeah. And then on the NL side, I had the D backs versus the Phillies in the wild card round, the Cardinals versus the Padres. And I have the Padres and Phillies moving on. Phillies playing the number two seed Braves and the Padres playing the one seed Mets. Yeah, yeah. I'm not you guys about all it. Or higher on the Mets than I am. I'm not about it, but I just feel like they're going to tear through the regular season. I hope. So. I mean, they made a lot of, I, they lose to Grom, but I don't know. In a way, is that really a loss? I feel like what they got in return 
the Grom with uh, some tightness today out of spring training for a couple of days, precautionary. Yeah, to start spring training already off on the good foot. By the way, the Phillies beating the Mets. And... Oh, my bad, oh, Chase. Classic. In the uh, NLCS playing the Guardians in the World Series, and then I'm torn on that pick. I'm going to have to lean Phils. But it could be a Guardians. I'm just not going to put that <laughs> fully out there at the moment. But, yeah, that's our early MLB preseason playoff brackets. I like that. The Diamondbacks, I mean, with, I like, like Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas mm-hmm. are, are – I really like them. Um, I don't know if they necessarily have the pitching, but it yeah. is definitely. I know the pitching's rough. There. Some pieces there for sure. We got on the Mets. I, I was like, the way they played last season, plus going into this season, I mean, the free agent additions that they got, pretty solid. Should be able to blast the Nationals for what they're worth. Probably beat up on the Marlins too. So get a couple free wins here and there. Yeah. A lot of the Mets for me is now they're relying on third base Brett Beatty to, you know, show what he's made of. And um, I mean, they got, you know, Vientos down there too and see if Alvarez can, you know, so some of these young top prospects and see if they can produce at the MLB level. Yeah. And I know um, we wanted to, we touched on a little bit last week, but we wanted to touch on the rules again, because just we did some reviewing and it's It's getting worse by the moment. Yeah. It's they're stupid. It's kind of crazy, and we can kind of obviously once the season starts, we'll be able to like really digest how much it's affecting it. But there's just a lot of it. Just almost seems like they're doing a lot of trying to control and contain how much happens. Like I don't know, there's only so much you can do to speed up the game. You don't want to ruin it at the same time. I hope for the MLB's sake that these rule changes don't go crazy. And if they kind of do, maybe they rehash it out after the season's over and stuff like that but um yeah i don't want this to turn into like a college rec softball league where you're not allowed to slide you can't do this like just it's competitive for a reason and games are going to go long for a reason and i don't see any other sport getting mad about how long a football game takes or how long you know all these other sports take you know, it feels like on average it's like three and a half hours. So, so what if a, if a baseball game goes over two and trends towards three hours? Like, it's, it is what it is. It's the game. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's kind of gotten a little out of hand with like the bullpen sometimes at times, or you know. But there's been a lot of stuff that they've changed the last couple of years. Mound visits. You have to pitch at least three guys if you come out of the bullpen. Stuff like that. I mean, things like the bigger bases they're implementing. It's one of those things where it's kind of annoying, but that's more of a player safety. Like those are that that's like a rule that you know I'll live with. Um, it'll just be interesting to see just the at bats. You know, the pitcher batter at bat is usually like a battle. Um, interesting to see like with that all sped up, not being able to throw over to first as much um, will really play out with like you know the individual game within that actual game. Yeah, I think the pitch clock, it's going to be interesting, too, because as younger guys are coming up, they're going to have been used to it, and you're going to see some of these younger guys knowing how to manage it. But some of these older veterans in high-leverage situations are probably going to struggle and struggle to, you know, they're used to taking their time and they're they're going to have to go. Um, So I think you're going to see a lot of those guys struggling and the guys who have used it in the minor leagues that was implemented last year, they're going to you know, know what to do and be fine with it. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of talk about the time of the games. I think it was three hours and four minutes was basically like the average game time for a, a major league baseball game in 2022. That's actually, I, I thought it would have been longer. And, so that's not bad. And with the, you know, stuff in the, you know, I think they project it to be, you know, save maybe 10 minutes. Like it's not, it's not going to be this <laughs> monumental change and, you know, it's a baseball game. It's nine innings. It's it's going to be a long. And they're trying to, you know, they're trying to bring this game to a, another audience, which I understand, but they can't just totally change the game either. Yeah, you should market it a different way than, like, get your players more active and, like, doing stuff and more just, I don't know, I feel like the NFL and other sports in the NBA do that a better job of marketing to like a younger core, like especially through video games too. I think 2K is a great way to get kids in and know about basketball right away 
and have a favorite player and always play with them and stuff like that. The MLB, I don't really hear that. Like, I don't really see like, I mean, obviously the Phillies made it to the world series last year and there's a lot of kids wearing Bryce Harper jerseys, but outside of that, it's not like nationwide. I don't think a lot of people like Bryce Harper, like kids growing up in other cities, you know, unless they, unless it's a person that plays for your team, it seems like very segmented that way. So really it's on the MLB. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of these rule changes that they're going to do this every year, but some of them this year, I just think are, they're trying to do too much. And I'm sure we're going to see, you know, there's going to be a whole talk about this in a year or two about robot umps and well, there'll be a whole conversation about that as well and how that'll go. But I won't, I won't discuss that now since it's not happening quite yet. Yeah. Joe West will be trying to, he's behind the lobby for uh, (laughs) no robot umps. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, all right. Yeah, well, if no one has anything else, then I think we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we wanted to touch on the World Baseball Classic. I think we're going to dig a deeper dive next week. but And then also go into UFC 284, a big fight night this past Saturday night. I know Chase was hyped up about it earlier before the show uh, started. So, yeah, stay with us on After Further Review. And we're back. I just want to give another shout out to all our listeners who are listening right now really appreciate you um having a lot of fun tonight yeah thanks to our parents and all of our significant others especially yeah yeah our number one fans out there um but no i think we wanted to touch on the world baseball classic real quick before we get into ufc um i know it's a pretty pretty exciting event here yeah the it's pretty, you know, we haven't had it since 2017. Uh, we actually went to that game, the 2017 World Baseball Classic in, in Miami. Miami. Uh, we went to a game there in Marlins Park. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty crazy. U.S. coming off their win. We won't touch – we won't get into it too much now because there's just so much to talk about. But I just – three things that caught my eye at first glance looking at the rosters. One, as a Mets fan, you got the return of Joanna Cespedes. I uh, haven't seen him play ball in a, in a while, so just be interesting to see what he does. Um, you got in Italy, you got Mike Piazza, who's the coach of the Italian oh team. Oh, my God. And joining him in the rotation is Matt Harvey. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. And then another weird thing that caught my eye is the Czech Republic. You got Eric Sogard on that team, and he is the only player to have any major league experience on the – the entire roster so just a couple interesting roster things i saw um along with i mean there's oliver perez is is playing who's 41 i remember him in mvp baseball from like 2005 i mean the dude's just been pitching forever so yeah no i also was just going through the rosters just to see some familiar names that would pop up and just See, and especially too, because this is great because none of the MLB rules that they made uh, for the season apply to the World Baseball Classic. So yeah. we'll get a little taste of old baseball in yeah. a way. Plus the the star power on all these rosters. I mean, especially the Dominican team is ridiculous. I mean, it's an all-star team in itself that we're going to be able to see. A lot of top prospects are playing for, for um, their countries and whatnot. But a couple of names that I spotted – that just stood out to me is Yadier Molina's coaching Puerto Rico. I thought that's pretty cool, especially just ending his baseball career. It would be cool to see him as an MLB manager someday if this is something he actually wants to pursue. I didn't know that he was into managing and whatnot, but it's cool to see that he's going to get to do that on the World Baseball Classic. Jair Jurgens playing for the Netherlands. That's a name. He's currently playing in Venezuela. I don't know how accurate that is, but wow. Jair Jurgens recently playing in the MLB. I don't know what, like seven, eight years ago now at this point. It's been a while. Felipe Almont, most famously known for being a part of the package that the Phillies got from the Mariners for Cliff Lee, along with Tyson Gillies and JC Ramirez. That's a bust out <laughs> trade right there. Felipe Almont pitching for Team Canada. Also, JC Ramirez is playing in the World Baseball Classic for Nicaragua. And the last name I saw that popped out to me as a Phillies fan is Vance Worley is pitching for Great Britain. Uh, what? Yeah. He went on a well, went on a pretty decent stretch when he got called up from the Phillies his first year. Put up some numbers. People thought he was all right. Him, Jonathan Pettibone, thought we had a little one-two action going on our rotation. 
turned out to be absolutely nothing. I'm pretty sure we traded them to the Twins for Ben Revere, who helped the Phillies a little bit through their dreadful mid-teen teams. But yeah, those are some names that stood out to me. And I know we'll probably do a bigger World Baseball Classic segment coming up here as we get closer to it. But those were just some names that stood out to me just scrolling through the rosters, seeing who's out there. But it was really neat to see like a lot of teams, like there's a lot of age variation on the teams. Like like you were saying, Oliver, you know, there's 41-year-olds, 42-year-olds, and then as low as like 18, 19-year-olds almost playing. Yeah, and they increased it to 20 teams this year. So more, uh, you know, and it'll be it'll be fun to see. But yeah, we'll definitely do a deeper dive into that uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, no, really excited about it. But um, moving on to uh, UFC 284. Um, I know this is Chase and Ben. This is sometimes your bread and butter here, and it was a huge fight night this past Saturday. How about it? Yeah, so we had obviously some title action with Islam Makashev and um, Alexander Volkanovsky in the in the uh, main event, and also Yair Rodriguez in the co-main. Um, my quick reactions were: I thought Volkanovsky won the fight. Uh, obviously, Islam put it to him in a few of those rounds, but overall, Volkanovsky just seemed like he had more control over the fight when Islam did take him down. Volkanovski was actively fighting it, never really was threatened by Makashev's ground game, which up to this point in his career, he's taking people down to beat him up and not let him up. So the fact he made it five rounds, took it to a decision, was dominant, landed a lot of strike, a lot of significant strikes on Islam. I thought he had the win, didn't come down that way, doesn't get it, but nonetheless, he's still the featherweight champ. Um, and then going into the main, the co-main, Guy Rodriguez basically cements himself, his status um, as a contender right now. Really interesting career arc for him because he came in as almost a phenom, super young in the UFC, had wild knockouts, really unpredictable. His chance on John knockout um, was a last-minute upper cut elbow, which no one ever saw in the UFC. One knockout of the year was just unbelievable. At the the buzzer. Most people didn't even know if it counted. As the buzzer went off, he leans in, throws his elbow up, knocks him out clean, just done, tumbles the guy. That's an all-time knockout. All-time knockout. Ran into a little bit of of trouble, disappears. COVID happens. He comes back. Back to the way he was at the start of his career. And now setting himself up for what most likely is going to be a fight against Volkanovski. Going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it seems like right after Volkanovski wants to wants that rematch, and I don't blame him. I, I was okay with the decision. I thought it could have gone either way. Um, I didn't, you know, you're right. Volkanovski stuffed the, the Dagestani uh, wrestling style, and I don't think anyone's done that with Makachev. Um, so we'll see if he he goes against Makachev again, or yeah, if, if not, then Rodriguez is definitely the fight to make. I don't really see anyone with their styles matching up well against Makachev, unfortunately. I mean, as much as he's probably the best in that division, I would love to see Poirier as the champ, just because you get you just between him and Gaethje, like you got those fights that you know are just going to be absolute bangers. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with that division, but Makachev obviously is not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it's tough, and um, I don't know. Just looking forward, though, we got a couple big fights coming up. We have Jessica Andrade versus Aaron Blanchfield on a UFC Fight Night. Nikita Krylov, Ryan Spann, and then that leads us into UFC 285, which is the big boy John Jones returning to the heavyweight division against Cyril Gaon, March fourth. This code, this card is absolutely loaded from top to bottom. Yeah. Definitely gonna yeah. be one. Yeah, yeah. So no, just I mean, you got. We'll do a. I'm sure a preview of that oh, closer. Yeah, but I mean, in that you got that you got Shavkov, Romanov, and then Bo Nickel. Two like, I mean, Bo Nickel is so raw and it's three and zero, oh, which is nuts that he's even in the spot he's in. But both guys who are you know, kind of like the next big thing, um, the UFC, just kind of seeing how they perform on that stage. But yeah, I mean, obviously the fight there is Jones and, and gone and yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a nice, nice card for sure. 
Oh yeah, and it's in Vegas, so the you know the UFC is going to pop off for the show. You got John Jones fighting a heavyweight, which I thought Dana White said he didn't want to book John Jones in Vegas anymore, but I don't know. Oh, what, gosh. I don't know what happened <laughs> about that because he's the one that said every time John Jones is in Vegas, oh, it never gosh. goes down well. Yep, you're right. And he literally books him for the biggest card possibly of the year right yep. now, uh, for to headline in Vegas. So we'll see how this goes down. He might get the win, possibly an arrest. So. If you got parlays, put them together. Yeah, I saw Brunson and Duplessis were on the prelim card, which I was surprised that they put that on the prelim card and the Bo Nickel fight on the main yeah. card. It's, you know, I know everyone, he's an exciting guy and up and coming, but yeah, it'll be a good one. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, and just, you know, from UFC kind of just, this is a, uh, um kind of a cool part of our show we kind of do like a little personal segments thing um kind of anything anyone wants to touch on but for me personally uh i know it's not that big of a deal anymore but the um nba all-star weekend's coming up this weekend uh and i spent last year's saturday night um watching probably one of the worst dunk contests in years and i can (laughs) i can advocately say i am not excited for it um i know the festivities it's 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 something that's sometimes cool to watch sometimes not but for me the only thing i'm actually excited for is the three-point contest i feel like that's like the one event left that the nba got that everyone likes watching last year you had cat the big guy going to work hitting the mountain dew balls um, from deep but um i actually have i have a pick for my for the NBA three point contest, my first uh, after further review pick, um, and I know that's just eight guys, so you know your odds are pretty good. Um, obviously, the the safe pick for me is Buddy Heald. He's actually the favorite. He won back um, in twenty twenty, and I don't know Buddy Buckets. You know he's always shooting the three ball well. And then my sleeper pick for for this year is Laurie Markkinen. He's, he's having a very, very good year on the Jazz. That was supposed to be a rebuilding year. He's shooting the ball well. He's dunking on guys. And I feel like he's going to really, you know, showcase his name, dropping some tray balls on the Saturday night. So keep a lookout for those two names. That's my little, my little tidbit. I like that. I like that. I do not have a pick, but I will be interested to see how that works out. Uh, so I was actually looking at the XFL. And that's coming back finally. I know we, we even watched it some when it first came back, and it was pretty fun to see just kind of different game of football. Um, so you got, you know, The Rock, I think, is the one that bought it with their their group. And uh, you got eight teams in the league so far for at the start of the season. So you got the St. Louis Battlehawks, Seattle Sea Dragons, Arlington Renegades, the San Antonio Brahmas, the Houston Roughnecks, the D.C. Defenders, the Vegas Vipers, and the Orlando Guardians. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how the league uh, goes this year. We had obviously a couple notable guys from that initial league was, you know, PJ Walker and even Taylor Heineke, uh, two guys who got some significant time and Heineke looked actually really good this past year, but Please I just, stop. Please stop you know, hyping up Heineke. Yeah. I, I thought he looked great. So a <laughs> couple notable players that I saw that are in the league this year, um, just, you know, off the top of the top of the, uh, rosters and the depth charts were aj mccarron um former uh former alabama quarterback you got matavius bryant um former steelers wide receiver you got ben denucci who's actually on the uh, seattle sea dragons thrown to josh gordon so that'll oh. be a, an interesting interesting one you got paxton lynch oh, you love it. um who's the starting quarterback and believe it or not their team is ranked dead last as far as odds for the for the uh, championships. So no surprise there. Uh, Vic Beasley, Kalen Bellage. So those are a few guys uh, just from the NFL that I recognized. And it'll be fun to see how the season plays. But if I had to go with one team, I'd obviously go with the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons. I mean, Danucci to Josh Gordon connection sounds sounds pretty good on paper. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Josh Gordon and we'll see. We'll see how that plans out. I agree. I'm definitely looking forward to watching some XFL, especially Martavis Bryant. I feel like his career definitely got derailed. Same with Josh Gordon. The NFL kind of did them both dirty, basically because they were doing weed. Yeah. 
in their terms. But yeah, one thing I was looking at was, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was an Oklahoma high school that finished with a basketball game with a score of four to two. Did see that. Yeah. Is that, is that, I feel like I've heard about these stories before, but I just don't understand how that happens. Yeah, I didn't either. And like, as I was reading through the story, I found out that basically the team that was holding the ball the entire time. So basically this two teams came out, one team scores two points right away. Right. So the team that got the ball then just held it until halftime, just kept passing it not doing anything with it. So they're losing and not shooting the bucket. Right. So then they go into halftime, come out, the other team comes out, scores again. So it's four, nothing now. And the other team is still holding the ball, not shooting, nothing, nothing, nothing's going on. They finally get two points. So the score is four to two and they take one three pointer at the end of the game for the win and they miss. (laughs) So I don't understand why, like reading the entire story, I was like, this can't be right. The, The team that was losing was the team that was holding the ball. And apparently in 40 other states in the country, high school basketball doesn't have a shot clock. And I didn't know that either. I thought it was just, it had to be regulated by state commissions and you just, it's a part of the game, obviously. But apparently in most, in 40 other states, there is no shot clock in high school. So you can hold the ball as long as you want. That's wild. I mean, at some point you gotta gotta implement a full horde press, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I was like, how? What? But first, why would you hold the ball and lose? Like, if you, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, that's. I feel like that's the biggest story because if you're the team defending, you're just like, I don't know. First off, if it's like a high school high school basketball goes hard. Yeah, like, that's what. Yeah, I was like, how? So the whole time the, I was like, this can't be real. <laughs> Yeah, even if you're the team that's winning, you don't want to just be standing out there to get the dub. Like you want to play. Yeah, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm on the bench, not getting any minutes, I'm salty <laughs> oh, that I didn't get it in the game. I'm like, I could easily score two points and win this game for us. Yeah, and then there's other times we hear about somebody who scores like a hundred points in the the first half of like a high school game. Wild. You know, it's the complete opposite. But yeah, that was definitely something that caught my eye. And I still can't wrap my head around in this, you know, days later after this happened. It's tough for parents to watch. Jeez. Yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Even for the school to hype it up on like their Instagram, they posted a picture of the final score and it was four to two. And I'm sure people were like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Top two defenses in the country. Yeah, literally. That'll inflate your stats a little. Yeah. <laughs> True. Maybe that's what they wanted. Their scoring offense is weak, though. Might as well have Ben Simmons' offensive numbers. <laughs> Just 10 Ben Simmons plays. 100% passing, no shots. Oh, no, but honestly, I feel like that's a that's a great that's a great way to, you know, kind of wrap up our show today. <laughs> that's a wild story, but um ultimately I I had a, I had a lot of fun tonight and I feel like you know, episode two definitely went better than episode one, and we really get to – it's a good time to be a, a sports fan. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had a blast. I'm going to give you guys one more car trivia. Oh, you like got another one? Yeah. got one more. Oh, man. Let's so I'm go. Give you guys, I, I think I made this one a little more difficult, but I don't know. You guys were killing it. Uh, everyone seemed to, to get the correct answer. So, we got two cards. Number one, 1973 Mike Schmidt rookie card. Oh, okay. All right. Got a PSA eight. So again, 10's the highest. Right. Um, you have a population of a 1550 for the PSA eight. And there's a total of 8,374 graded of the card. Okay. Next up, you have a 1909 T206 Cy Young PSA <laughs> one. Um, there's 83 of them, and there's a total of 554 graded. So I'm going to ask you guys which one is more expensive, the 1909 Cy Young or the Mike Schmidt rookie card? Damn, this uh, is a tough one. It, I feel like Ben's trying to trick us again, but I'm just going to say it's the 1909 Cy Young, and it's probably the easiest question you've ever given me. So you're welcome for the right answer. I'm going to go with the Schmidt card. Oh, Chase, really? Yeah. Chase, why? I don't know. I just want to hear Schmidt, oh man. So Mike Schmidt is correct. Are you serial? Yes. Oh, my. 
So I actually thought it was the Cobb card. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, it's probably that one, but I don't know. I've just gone off the PSA grade. Yeah. So Mike Schmidt is twelve hundred dollars, and the Cy Young is nine hundred. Um, so in 1909, they have three different cards. They have they had like three different cards. They have like a portrait, ball in hand, and like glove in hand, basically. So there's three different ones. PSA one is still like a $900 card, but the Mike Schmidt is more expensive because as you get higher graded, it's very rare. So dang. Well, I was oh, way sh- off and I'm a <laughs> Schmitty fan. So that's, yeah. that's what I get. I guess. I, that. I actually just remembered I heard two questions that I, I thought would be good to ask you guys. They're just random trivia things. Not like just, I heard it and I was like, I got to ask you guys just to see if you can get it. Right, let's do it. All right. So the first one, which is the only team in the NFL to neither play in or host the Super Bowl? Oh, that. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Detroit. They've hosted a Super Bowl, but they've never played in one. I like that. Yeah. I feel like you got to go colder weather. I was at first I was going to. Dang, I don't know. I don't know if I haven't. That was my guess. I don't know if I have an answer, Chase. I think Detroit was super close because they're what they meet like half. It's those brownies. Oh, oh how do we not think of that? That's too obvious. Yeah, yeah it's a tough one. I, I mean, obviously, not being in the Super Bowl, but hosting, you never think either just because yeah. they're so awful. And the second question, this one's a little bit longer. So there's only one state in the United in the United States that has two teams with the same name in two different sports. What's the state and what are the team name? And what's the team name? Can you repeat that? Yeah. So there's only one state in the United States that has two teams with the same name in two different sports. What's the state and the team name? Can you give us a hint of the sports? Um yeah, hockey and basketball. It's got to be a state that has a bunch. What are their hockey teams? What are the Cali hockey teams? The Kings? Oh, the Kings. That's one of them because the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Kings. That's one. What are the other hockey teams in L.A.? No, that's it. That's the question. Oh, that's, oh, that's it. it. Oh, that's yeah, it. No, oh, let's go. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking two. No, no. no. Well, because there's two teams. But, oh, okay, that yeah. was a good one. You, just a, have to, you have to get the state and the name for both. Yeah, if you did not give us a hint, I I don't I, we would have been here for a while. Why? Well, oh, dude, I thing, heard it and I spent like half a day and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. I mean, it's really not that hard of a question after you like now that right. I know the answer. Yeah, yeah it's tough. I was like, well, that's yeah. Both oh. those questions are like stumpers though. Like they're, it's just like so close. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good question. I'm throwing up some owls here at the end. I think it's time for me to wrap up the show. But um, no, uh, no. Thanks, everyone, for coming out here again. Episode two, episode three, already hyped about next week. Um, Let us know if you ever want us to talk about anything. Can be any sport. Can literally be like cricket in India. And we will do our research and we will come back with some answers. Yeah, we'll drop a lock. Yeah. So um, we'll see. Yeah, so ride right out. See you guys next week. It's Ben here. Later.